This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Have you been struggling lately? Maybe you're having trouble sleeping, difficulty with the relationship, or just suffering from low self-esteem. If so, then BetterHelp wants to help you. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and to help you. You get to talk to your therapist in a private, online environment at your convenience. There's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's 20,000-plus therapist network, and they give you access to help that may not be available in your area. You just need to fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you get matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Join the 2 million-plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. And there's a special offer to Nowhere to Be Found listeners. You'll get 10% off of your first month, but only if you go through the link or type in betterhelp.com slash ntbf for Nowhere to Be Found. That's better betterhelp.com slash ntbf. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. And you can find the link in our show notes and on our website, nowheretobefoundpodcast.com. Tonight's episode is brought to you in part by Bruno Made, where you can find a large selection of custom handcraft pieces that fit perfectly in your home. From small pieces like floating shelves for your home office to large custom pieces like barn doors and wedding backdrops, Bruno Made can make your vision come to life. Bruno Made is a family-owned and operated business that became a reality when they decided they themselves could make the furnishing options that they were finding available at the big box stores, not only with better quality materials, but perfectly customized size, color, finish, and look. Their customers appreciate not only their designs, but their affordable prices. From their family to yours, shop Bruno Made on their Etsy shop at www.brunomadeshop.com. Etsy.com and use the code NOWHERE for 10% off of your order today. Previously on Nowhere to Be Found. Her car did have some pressure mark from the tires. You could tell that it had been sitting. You found bloody socks like pretty far from her car, but I think that for the most part, the three of us would put so much more out on the table if we were allowed to. I'm your host, Amanda Papineau, and this is Nowhere to be Found. Mickey mentioned in our last episode a friend of Fauna's named Alba. She said that she'd been closer to Fauna and that she'd also been present in the search and had been in contact with John. So I reached out to Alba and was happy to hear that she was willing to help. So um, I just wanted to kind of get to know the Fauna that you know and um, hear how you how you guys met and... Um, you know, just a little bit about her. Um, we met sophomore year in high school. Okay. She lived across the street from my friend Mickey. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we just, uh, she introduced us and we started hanging out 
yeah, sophomore year when we were 15. Wow. And what, like, what kind of kid was she back then to you? Just really humble and friendly. Yeah. That's kind of what I keep hearing. She was like, not really like a crazy party kid, but she hung out with the fun crowd and like, just really um, well liked. Yeah, she's probably responsible for most of our survival. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you got to have one. You got to have at least one friend that's doing that. For sure. Yeah, she was always like the you know the driver and got her car before the rest of us. And okay, just we were pretty excited to be able to you know go to the coast or yeah drive down to Taco Bell for lunch. Yep. That's so nothing's changed. I went to Churchill too, and Taco Bell was always our lunch spot as well. Okay, and then after high school, did you guys stay in contact, or what was your relationship like after that? So after high school, I believe she may have moved away for a little bit, mm-hmm. and we were all just kind of, I guess, caught up in like our our all of our first serious relationships. Yeah. Um. So I would see her periodically, like when we were twenty one. She was still in Eugene, I believe, and um, just go out and have fun together. Yeah. And then we um. You know, when we were all getting married and having babies, we all spent a lot of time together, too. Yeah. Doing celebrations, baby showers, um, bachelorette parties, weddings, things like that together. Yeah. She'd kind of get together for the major milestones, I guess. Right, right. And then get together with, with your favorite people. Yeah. And your life kind of, you know, your everyday life still kind of carries on, but you, you come back to your core group. Yes. Yeah. And um, were you kind of around in that time where she was, I mean, she lost her mother and her sister um, really close together, it sounds like. Yeah, so I would say the most time I spent with her, yeah, in our adult life was in between her mom passing and her sister passing. Okay. And um, what was that like? Um, again, just, she was really a private person. Mm -hmm. So she would just, you just knew, it seemed like she could handle anything really emotionally pretty well. Um, just a strong person. She was very supportive of her friends. Yeah. Um, but that's, yeah, that was mainly when a lot of us were like in our late twenties and getting married and having babies. So. A bunch of us in our friend group had kids within, you know, like a 14-month period. So mm-hmm. we saw each other a lot that year, just in all the different. Yeah. Uh, like two, I think all three of us got married within like a year and a half and also had kids. So there was a lot of different things to celebrate that year. So we Who, would, who are the three? Um, myself, our friend Raylin, and our friend Janelle. Oh, okay. And then Fauna. Okay. So did Fauna have any serious relationships in that time that you know of? Um, yeah, she had a couple different relationships. Mm-hmm. I think she had been engaged a few times. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. You know, without social media, she, like you said, I mean, she appears to be a very private person. Um, she's she's kind of difficult to track yeah, some I've never met her, so you know, just trying to get to know her through 
other people. She doesn't have a Facebook. She just doesn't really exist on the internet. Um, and it's made this uh, a little tougher, but also it's kind of refreshing that she doesn't have any of that stuff. Like she just seems to be someone who is able to live a little more in the present because of that, which is really different. Yeah, it's really, she's, it's nice to have somebody just have their own independent thoughts. <laughs> right? Yeah. Not influenced by so much of what they see around. Absolutely. And and John, too, um, I was able to speak with him for for a good amount of time. And he's, he's very unique in that sense, too. Um, doesn't have a TV at the house, doesn't have internet, didn't even have a phone that had caller ID before all of this happened. And it's such a... That's such a unique situation these days, kind of jarring where I was like, what? You don't have a TV? Like, that's unimaginable to me. But it really, I think, opens up people's lives to be able to, like you said, kind of think for yourself and break free of this, like, I don't want to call it like, I mean, sheep mentality is kind of like the term for it. But they've seemed to like been able to escape that a little bit. So I've found her phone number probably six and a half years ago or so. Mm-hmm. Um, I looked her up online because I hadn't talked to her since around the time my kiddo was born. Mm-hmm. And all this stuff happened with her sister. Right. Because she just, I think, wanted some privacy and yeah. was trying to deal with that. And uh, But I found her and uh, she was really surprised that I was able to find her number online it really tripped her out really mm-hmm. like in a bad way where she was like hmm, I need to maybe get that off of there she just didn't really uh she never had really pictured that somebody could just look her up like that and find her hmm. her phone number that's yeah. interesting yeah there's a couple of things that kind of stood out like that um so okay so Moving forward, you guys, um, you were reconnected like about six years ago, you said. And then how often were you in contact with her, would you say? Um, just, you know, said we'd talk again. And then I, four more years, maybe five. Okay. My friend Janelle ran into her again at Valley River Center. Mm-hmm. Um, probably about a year and a half ago. Okay. And then they connected, and then we went to dinner at Mozzie's. Oh, nice! And then um, the most, and that was in September of 2019. And then I saw her again in March of 2020. Was the last time I saw her. Okay. And then she wished me a birthday, happy birthday in April, and I wished her happy birthday in May. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, it wasn't. It wasn't out of the ordinary for us to go many, many months without talking. Right, right. Just kind of checking in here and there type of thing. Yeah. And then did you hear when her brother passed? Um, No, because she didn't tell anybody. Right, And then okay. I didn't find out until she was missing. Okay, okay. How did you find out she was missing? Um, My friend... Janelle sent me a text that somebody had shown her from from a page on Facebook. Okay. It wasn't the Fine Fauna page. It was, like, missing persons page or something. Okay. Just totally random, not 
not uh, linked to like Eugene or anything. Oh, wow. Okay. And she was... And by that time, she'd been missing a month. Oh, okay. Okay. And what, um, were you in contact with John at all or what, what kind of, what happened from there? Um, Danielle contacted him, I think that day or the next day. Mm -hmm. And then, um, I didn't, I couldn't really bring myself to talk to him at that point. I was, it was like too much for me. Yeah. Within eight days though, we met him and started looking for her. Okay. It's like we found out on a Friday mm-hmm. that she was missing and then just kind of tripped out about it all weekend. I went and got flyers on Monday, hung them up around Eugene. And then mm-hmm. that next weekend we were with John um, up on the Mackenzie looking at those areas because that's where she had most recently had sightings right okay yeah i'd heard that they ended up being false but yeah he said some of the eyewitness reports just kind of fell apart and just unraveled from there you guys unfortunately wasted some time looking up in that area yeah Yeah. so i i thought it was unusual because she never really like talked about the mckenzie river she always talked about the illinois and um rogue river Okay. So when I spoke with John, um, it was, it was very interesting to me. And I, I, you know, there are a lot of theories out there of what could have happened. John told me that he thinks that Fauna is kind of gone on her own accord type of thing that she maybe just needed some time after Dallas passed to decompress get away and that she might be like living off the grid type of thing um which surprised me a lot just because of the closeness between her and john and then how how soon after her brother died like for her to just disappear on john like that seemed uh odd to me but i just don't know you know enough to say that is that how do you feel about that um, I mean, I I don't want to think she did anything on purpose or would let everybody worry or... Right. But, I mean, she has definitely proven that she might not really need people like the rest of us need to be around people. Yeah. Well, and I, I asked John, um, you know, has she ever talked about that before, like saying, oh, you know, I wish I could live in a cabin in the middle of nowhere, or I wish I lived on an island or anything like that. And he kind of, he kind of led to, yes, that maybe she'd talked about Idaho or Colorado and just kind of getting away. And so that um, is certainly a better alternative in my mind to some of the other options. Um, yeah, but very unique in, and you just don't hear that that often, you know? Yeah. I know she didn't have a problem camping alone. Okay. I would never, ever do that. Me neither. Horrifying to me. Yes. I'm so creeped out by everything. Yeah, me too. And that she was traveling without a cell phone, possibly that horrified me. Like as a woman traveling alone, 
I can't think of anything I would do less. <laughs> so yeah. it just kind of led me to like, okay, maybe she's a little braver, a little more, I don't know, free spirited, or I'm not sure what exactly the word would be for that. But she seemed to be making some decisions that were a little unrelatable to me. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what her mental state was after finding her brother. Right. Well, it couldn't have been good, I'm sure. And John said that when he spoke to her on the phone that she was very um, distraught and uh, traumatized. And so, yeah, I can only imagine uh, what her headspace was in that moment. But, um, you know, the nice thing about having a theory like that is that at some point she can just pop back up. You know, and just, yeah, she could just show back up at any moment. And that's a little bit of hope that I think a lot of families don't have. So there's some silver yeah. lining there. That's true. Um, have you explored any of the spots that she was last seen in? Um, no. I I went and helped with, like, feeding the search and rescue teams okay. for her car was found Mm -hmm. but as far as like proven places where she was no okay i'd love to talk to someone who saw her or someone who might have an idea of where she might have gone if she did um go off the grid or something like that but i i just don't have anybody um that i know of that could do that but i just kind of want to talk to as many people as i can who know fauna personally and try to piece it all together I will tell you, she's, you know, I don't want to discredit her beautiful spirit by talking about, like, how physically beautiful she is, too. Yeah. But, like, here's the thing. Like, if anybody saw her and then saw a picture, they would definitely remember her because she just is, like, that kind of person that she walks into a room and everybody sees her. Yeah. Yeah, she's she's a knockout for sure. And I think that um, she definitely stood out from the few people that I have had contact with, like at the convenience stores and stuff. She certainly does stand out. Um, So it's just a matter of time, I think, before we find somebody who's like, oh, I definitely remember her. I saw her driving here, here and here, you know. I think we have a good uh, good chance of that because she's pretty recognizable. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I can't figure out where she, what she was doing between Dexter and Cresswell. Yeah, it's a very strange. The first half of the timeline where she spends the night in her car, so close to her house. Like, why not just go home? Instead, exactly. You know, but then people are like, oh, well, she likes to camp in her car. I'm like. Who likes to, so like, you, sleep in their if, – like, if you're on a camping yeah. trip, fine, but who would just choose to do that anyway, you know? That'd be like if I drove from Vanita right. to go sleep in my car. It just doesn't right. make sense. You could easily just go home and sleep in your bed and leave again the next morning if that was – Or wouldn't you just be like, oh, I hooked up with a friend or something? Or, right. Slept at their house, like, we're up all night partying or whatever. Whatever. Know. And that's why I'd asked – I've asked multiple people, is there anybody in her life that you can think of that would be, like, the person? Like, hey, I'm I'm getting out of town. Like, this person is the person she calls. And nobody can – 
nobody can really come up with a solid person for that. Like, no, she's just so close with her dad. She's just so close with her brother. I'm like, okay, but she's a grown woman. Like, you don't necessarily tell your dad everything, right. uh, you know, I would assume, especially because she has a history of being kind of a private person. So it just seems like there's a piece of the puzzle here, whether that's a person, another person in the mix, or for some reason she didn't want to go home. Because, you know, John had said that they were having a not a disagreement, but that after Dallas died, some things came up and he wasn't specific, but he just said some things came up that she from the past that she was holding him responsible for. And of course, I didn't pry, obviously, you know, he he that's very private, but it made me wonder, like, did was she avoiding the house? Could she have, like, you know, just needed to get out? She was upset with her dad. She knew she probably should go home because why spend the night in the car? But for some reason was just opposed to that idea. Could be. Yeah, that's sort of where I go. And, like, I've actually thought about trying to talk to maybe the neighbors in that area. Oh, okay. Just to see if they saw Anybody else or mm-hmm. yeah, anything and that I, would alert them or give us more information? Right. Yeah, that's a good idea because there is, I mean, and now more, the more time like that, that goes just by. gets brushed over. Like, right. I know it doesn't make sense that something would have happened all the way in Grant's past. I mean, we have her on camera. Right. The hitchhiker, the fish hatchery, like there's all kinds of weird pieces that I'm just like so baffled by. Because John said something else. He said that he thought that the we ask you in could be a red herring, like that she's trying to throw people off the trail, which again, I'm like, wow, that's that's um, that sounds a little harsh. You know, to, like, purposely be putting your dad and all all of your friends and family, like, on this crazy goose hunt type of thing. And, like, why? Why not just tell your dad, like, hey, I'm going off the grid. Like, I need some space. Don't contact me. Boom. Done. And he wouldn't be spending all of his days searching through Cave Junction and Grant's Pass. He could just move on with his life. So I and everyone's like, oh, she's so sweet. Oh, she loves her parents. She loves her family so much. So I'm just like, I don't know. I just can't really see anybody doing that. Well, and that's the thing, too. Like, all those years she wasn't around me. Mm-hmm. I mean, people need to have people around them. I don't care how antisocial you say you are. Right. Oh, I don't like it. I know it's very, like, trendy to just pretend you don't need people. But yeah. if anything, this pandemic is shown us that you whether you are natural around people or not that you need to be around people right and so if it wasn't us like where some somebody must have been in her life seems that way and even dallas's friend um who she went down to grant's pass so like you know she was making the three stops uh the first one was sean and Sean has pretty much the exact same idea that that John does. Like, yeah, I think she just like kind of cracked and she needed to 
disappear. I just really boggle. I mean, that's mind boggling to me. I'm like, okay, I don't really know what to do with that. Like, if she doesn't want to be found, sure. So I'm not. I sure. just that first 24 hours, I can't wrap my head around. Yeah. Well, even taking the Jeep, too, I didn't realize that she had a BMW sitting in the driveway. And that that Jeep was like a secondary car. Like, Why would you take your crappy car and leave your super nice BMW SUV sitting in the driveway? Like, that's bizarre. John's like, well, the BMW could be tracked, you know, with GPS. So he really has like an answer for every, almost everything that I would bring up that led back to her disappearing on purpose. And I just don't know. Certainly, I hear all the things he's saying. I'm like, yeah, that's weird. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. But could have just been that she was in such a a shattered state of mind that she wasn't really thinking about that type of stuff. If she was also just so distraught, she could have been vulnerable too, though. Right. And, and also, what about all the other people missing from Grant's staff? Seriously. And that is a huge problem for me. Um, you know, trafficking comes up a lot. And so since she didn't say, hey, I don't want to be found. Don't look for me. The only thing you could do is look for her, like, because if there's any chance that it's not that and that she got picked up in some trafficking ring, ran into the wrong people, gave a ride to the wrong people, you know, you you couldn't just say, oh, she's probably fine just living off in a cabin somewhere like you have to look for her, of course. So just the fact that that's even still on the table, like, yeah, we're going to do everything we can. The search parties are still going to go out there. You know, as the weather starts to warm up, I'd like to go out there and um, help help John in any way that I can try and, you know, get some of these resources together and um, see what we can find. But for now, it just seems like a lot of unanswered questions. Since starting this case, I've tried to dive into Fauna's personal life before she disappeared to get an idea of what she was like and who her friends are. Besides Sean, it seems most of her friends that we've talked to knew her best in her 20s and 30s. We know that around that same time, Fauna's life took a very sad turn with the loss of her mother and her sister. And it seems nobody's been able to keep in consistent contact with her since. Makes me feel like she was either very isolated or there's someone out there that we don't know about. I'd like to thank our sponsors at Oregon Wild Rice. I love that this rice is locally grown and sustained right here in Harrisburg, and I was blown away by how flavorful and nutritious Oregon Wild Rice is. Their rice is a healthy, delicious, better-choice side dish. So thanks again to Oregon Wild Rice for sponsoring Nowhere to Be Found, and I'll post the link to their website in the show notes so that you can check them out. next time on Nowhere to be Found. Yes, my name is Philip Taft and I'm a licensed clinical and forensic psychologist. This is a woman who had been through other very close, very serious losses. And so unfortunately she was she was quite skilled at you know dealing with loss in her life. That's more of a, what I refer to as the animal brain.
We've been asked how our listeners can contribute to the show, so we set up an account with Patreon. Check out the link in our show notes if you're interested in supporting our cause. You can also find it on our website, nowheretobefoundpodcast.com.